0: Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Uh, Let's go before the Lord tonight in prayer and ask Him, ask His blessings and anointing. Father, we are gathered together again in Your name to hear Your Word. We pray, God, that You would anoint my mind and my lips and help me, Lord God, to speak your word, the word that you want, and not the word that is in my head, but the word that's in your mouth. Help me to do that and help us all, Lord, to receive from your word the things that you have for us. You are a faithful God and you've never uh, left us alone. Not one time, and I know that your word tonight is intended for for a specific purpose, and that's what we want to see tonight, Lord, whatever your purpose is. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would anoint us and open our ears and our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. So tonight, uh, I've had I had something on my heart. Real strong and real heavy for about a week, and I spent a couple days studying uh, for this. And then today I was in the midst of studying it, and I was about a fourth of the way through it, and it changed. (laughs) So, so now we're we're going to go with what uh, with what came after that. We live in some really uncertain times. There are a lot of things uh, that are going on worldwide uh, that trouble the hearts of of American people, uh, and also what's going on in America troubles the hearts of a lot of American people. Um, in the days of, of the apostles, the the Israelites were going through a time of seeing their nation overrun and, and torn down by the, the Roman government. Um, Israel was not a big industrial area. It was more rural and farming area, and Rome was... Uh, not giving them much, but taking f- about 50% of their wages in taxes. Uh, so they, they had plenty to weigh them down and plenty of things to worry about. And so we read a lot, of, uh, a lot about how they behaved and what they were facing throughout the whole New Testament. And as, as I look at that, I realize that America's really kind of in the same situation. I had uh, someone close to me talking over the weekend and uh, they were talking about something that was a little bit fantastic and and uh, he he felt like he maybe wasn't being believed and he said, well, I heard it on the news <laughs> and that brought up a chuckle, so that wasn't really good validation. We live in a country where truth is thrown in the streets. Uh, lies are taking the place of truth and they're, they're, taking, they're taking up a standard that Americans are falling in behind and believing. Uh, we've got a presidential race going on and, and I'm not gonna go into all the details of that, but the candidates are questionable which I know that's that's hard to imagine, but the candidates are questionable. And so looking at that, I saw that there, where we live today and what's going on today, not just in America, but worldwide, is we there's an increase in mental health uh, instances. Anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, obsessive compulsive uh, disorders, wake-sleep disorders, substance-related disorders. You hear about it constantly on the news. And it's not just US news, it's it's happening abroad as well. Um, social media is playing a big part on what's going on in our country as far as mental disorders. Um, and we could spend days discussing the impact of social media on society. Uh, but the use of social media negatively impacts not only mental health, but physical health as well. Uh, And all of this together develops an atmosphere of fear and distrust. And I think that that's where America is right now. Uh, Distrusting, looking for something or someone that's not wishy-washy or or two-faced. Uh, they're looking for something that's solid and stable that they can uh, come in behind. So, um, and and they're not finding it, and that has a tendency to tear down the way we think, and hence you have we have um, mass mass killings. We've got people that disappear. We've got people that are committing suicide. We, we've got people that are demonstrating behavior that we can't explain. You, you just can't explain. And so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of focus on that, a lot of interest uh, from governments, a lot of interest from um, churches and social groups that, that want to help. Uh, but being able to help, you have to kind of understand it. So we're very limited on that. And so, what I want to talk about tonight—that was the beginning, sort of, of what I was studying. But <laughs> no, it really wasn't good news. But it was, pre- it was preparing for some. Um, but what I want to look at tonight is in First John, uh, chapter one, beginning in verse one. And if you want to turn there, can everybody hear me? Good. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. I want to talk about the fellowship of the holy life. That which was from the beginning, uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He starts off with that which was from the beginning, and he's not talking about the gospel. Um, He's talking about Jesus Christ, because that was, he was not only from the building, the beginning, he was from before the building, who in his divine nature already was. He really uh, existed as the beginning, um, as Jehovah, the eternal I am, which was and is and is to come and existed before the beginning. In John 1 and 1, we can, we can read about that. The word was with God. The word was God in the beginning. And when you read that, you have to understand that in in. The book of John, in the Gospel of John, when John says, In the beginning, we have to really stop right there. Because the beginning was the first creative act of God as far as concerning mankind. The beginning was the beginning of time. Before that, there was no time. In the beginning, was the beginning of time so he created time and he created space and so then in the beginning which didn't have a didn't have a past in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god we see jesus christ if in in reading first uh, the first chapter of john you you see clearly that he's talking about jesus he was before the world. Uh, only from the beginning, but was, was, was the reason for the beginning. He not only was from the beginning, but he was the reason for the beginning. Colossians 1 and 16 uh, tells us that all things were created by him and for him. Am I going too fast? Or are you being able to write down these scriptures because they're good? They're exciting to read over again and again and again because it brings so much into focus, so much into scope. Uh, verse two, it says the life was manifest. I'm sorry, I have handouts. Did I didn't say that? Did I? Anybody want to hand out the handouts? Or take one and pass it along. Thank you. That'll give you something to look at while you're trying to figure out what I'm saying. In Again, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, the life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He's talking about, John is talking about we. So that we is um, the church, those who have been born again. The life was manifested, and we have seen him. Now, you and I have not actually seen him but we've seen evidence of him. We've seen a lot of evidence of him enough that we actually do see him because God is in us and he's left us to be his temple. Did we have enough of those? Perfect. (laughs) That wasn't me. That wasn't me. It was my wife. Um, So the life was manifest and, and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. So we have uh, the indisputable word of the apostles that actually had the privilege to see him face to face in the flesh the apostles actually had the opportunity to speak to him face-to-face and to hear him face-to-face. They had the opportunity to touch him, to physically touch the Messiah that had been promised to the Jews for so many centuries. They had that opportunity, and they took that opportunity, and because of that, there was a change in them. It it motivated them and changed them and picked them up and put them in a position to where they could actually share the information and give testimony of his of the reality of that. Now at that point, that's just a testimony to the average person. That's just something interesting that they can think about, like a lot of things that we hear. Uh, on the news they're interesting and we can think about them it doesn't make them true but it does make him true people have to investigate that and that's what it's supposed to be it's it's supposed to entice people to look into uh jesus christ in verse three says that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that's that's us that you also may have fellowship, and that word fellowship is kolonia. Uh, That is a very close personal relationship, that we might have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So what, what's he saying there? What's he telling us there? What they saw and what they heard they declare unto us why, so that we also may have fellowship with them, and truly their fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. Those are those are huge things when we stop and consider it. That's an invitation from God for us to actually be closely involved with him. In verse 4, it says, In these things we write to you that your, which is essentially our joy, um, may be full. That word joy is cheerfulness uh, or calm delight. Joy, it's not something where you just shake all over and, I mean, you might, but what it's really talking about is deep rooted peace that that is joyful to have so that we can so that we may be full and that word full translates to cram whatever we can hold that's stuffed heaped up shaken together and pressed down So we're not just supposed to be able to see this and say, okay, that's great. It's something that should generate joy in our lives and uh, fill us up to the overflowing. That's consistent with scripture. So I'm already to the end. That's, that's verse four, but I want to talk about it some more. One truth uh, that is central of the apostolic testimony uh, is perhaps most evident uh, of John's testimony, but also that of Peter and Paul. It was the double truth of the deity and humanity of Christ. The apostles reached for conviction, or yeah, conviction of the divine humanity of Jesus through their close personal interaction with him. It was the impression made upon them by what they saw and heard and felt. Now, we have opportunity, everybody has opportunity to have essentially the same thing. How many have ever... Well, you don't have to raise your hand, but when, uh, let me put it that way, when you pray intensely in the Spirit... And, and you move from physical prayer to spiritual prayer. I, I'm not talking about the blessing over your meal. Bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts which we're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's eat. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prayer that emanates in the heart and flows out from every fiber of our being. And you slip into a place that you can't really identify. You can't say where it's at. You don't really know. But it's a huge place. But it contains only you and Jesus. And that's where you get to see him. And that's where you get to hear him. Now, maybe when, when you uh, quit praying, you can't really describe everything you've seen. I kind of like that because that lets me know that it, it was supernatural. It's not really something that I can generate in my own mind. That's why it's hard to talk about and describe uh, to you. The only reason I can describe it to you is because you I likely have already experienced that. There, there have been some heads that shook like, yep, get what you're saying. So in those places, we have the opportunity, and it's because of a work that's done in the spirit. And the conviction of the divine humanness of Christ never comes to any man in any other way. It has to be done in the spirit. Uh, Should any human uh, now come into the intimate relationship with Christ, let him feel the indisputable impression that Christ always makes when he is permitted to come fully into the scope of a man's thought and heart and life. He will surely be drawn to the man Christ Jesus and will bow before him saying, my Lord and my God. That's pretty words. But that helps us understand why, when we uh, when we are trying to introduce somebody to Jesus, why we can get the blank expression, the blank look, like, I don't know what you're talking about. But okay, just for the sake of getting past this, I'll go ahead and nod my head and agree. Uh, that's why. Because they really can't see it, they really can't understand it until they've been there. St. John was... Uh, has one great aim in his sharing his witness uh, that they that ye also may have fellowship with us. First uh, John one and three, fellowship with us in our in our fellowship. Uh, he means our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. The spiritual apprehension of Christ which John had gained had not only brought him nearer to Christ, but it had also brought him closely uh, nearer to God. It brings you close. And when you get there, well, that's what kind of what I'm talking about, nearer than anything else had ever had or could ever be. Realizing the sonship of Christ glorified God to him, it revealed him as the eternal father, and that's an aspect of God that we have to we have to look at and we have to realize that he is the eternal father and he didn't choose that position uh haphazardly he didn't choose that uh, that description of father uh, just for some reference point to who he was he literally is our father that that is why jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world was because he wanted to give us everything we needed and he knew before we were created that we could not be holy holy not in ourselves. We could not do it, which proved out in the garden when, when uh, mankind fell and disobeyed God. So knowing that, he predetermined and, and, and knew automatically that he would have to have a human son that did not have the sin nature. And could be a pure, perfect sacrifice to redeem those who will, who will let it be. A lot of problems that we find today in witnessing and and helping people f- make a decision to turn to Christ is I believe that they really don't understand. People really don't understand the the full focus of what Christianity is. And I've heard that some people say, you know, I'm okay with Christianity, but I hate Christians. Well, Christians are not Christianity. Christians are are human people, some of which are born again, and, and the work really takes place. It really takes hold. Others find it to be convenient uh, to relieve uh, self-condemnation, to take them out of the the focus and the, and the spotlight with other people who uh, say that they are Christians. It kind of puts them on the same playing field to where they don't have to feel guilt-ridden to other people or even to themselves. They can justify themselves and say, well, I go to church. And then that gives us permission in our own minds and in our own spirit to do the things that we want to do instead of the things that we should do and so we use it people do until they're born again and they have power over that we can't do it by ourselves, and I can tell you right now absolutely I can't make it without Jesus I've I've proven that to myself. God's proven that to me. I can't do it without him. And then John exclaims uh, that he, he writes this epistle because he wants his friends to share his joy. That's an attitude and a spirit of giving. Whatever the cost, I want to give this to you because it's so good, Because and I want you to have it. He would have uh, he would have them know Christ as he knew him. Uh, then they would share uh, with him the fellowship of the Father and the Son, and their joy would be full. And that's great. That would be a, a great thing. That's what drives the Christian, the, the ones that people don't hate, that's what drives the Christian to uh, motivate people to come to Christ uh, the, the power of personal experience uh, that we read about here, there are many ways to learn, and uh, the two most common ways are, uh, one, by instruction, and two, by experience. Uh, you can raise your hand if you want. How many have found that instruction or that learning by experience trumps instruction? Uh I have found that to be true. Instruction, I remember some of it. (laughs) A lot of it I don't remember. And then employing what I remember is another thing. But experience just teaches you some lessons that you can't put into words. (laughs) It hurts. And that prevents us from making the mistakes that are so easy to make. Learning by experience seems to be the most thorough. Some things can only be effectively known through a personal experience of them or in relation to them. That must be so because some things cannot be apprehended by intellect alone. They must be known through feeling. I probably, well, I know I can't, but I probably couldn't count the ways, uh, the times that I shook my head and I was exasperated at some super genius person that knew everything. (laughs) You just never stumped them on anything. But they couldn't do the simplest things. I worked with a guy that was extremely intelligent, and he didn't know how to connect a battery cable to his battery on his car. He he grabbed a hammer. You know, that's not that's not it. Nope. That's not it. He could tell you where it goes, he could tell you why it's there, he could tell you what it does, but he couldn't tell you how to put it together. And and it was very simple. And I've shaken my head at a number of people that I've I've known that were book smart. But just didn't have common sense, so um, intellect alone just doesn't do it. you have to you have to get in there and experience it. Uh, the highest truths of religion cannot be grasped except by intellect merged with feeling. It takes intellect merged with feeling. I heard about I learned about uh, Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. uh, I understood it. I knew it, but I didn't really know it because I hadn't experienced it. But it was because of the intellect that I went on and discovered through experience what that was about. It is certain that no human ever can know Christ until they have come into personal relationship with him and experienced what he, by his grace, can do in and for them. Uh, Let this edify us, and that's really what I'm wanting to do tonight, um, is edify us as we reach out to those who have not known Christ and cannot understand why. We may seem overly exuberant to them, but what we have is real. And it has to stay real. That's what's important. All of these things that are happening in the world today affect everybody. The psychological effects affect everybody. The mass murders affect everybody. It's not just people who don't have Christ. Granted, we do have Christ, and we know that he is our protector. We know that we have the father and that all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. We, we know those things, but we have to, we have to grow in that and we have to exercise that in our minds, in our hearts and in our words. We need to, we need to nurture that, those feelings. We don't just automatically get peace of mind because we know Jesus, We get peace of mind because we go to him, because we take these things to him. And then he walks us through those things. He does miracles for us. How many like miracles? Has anybody ever had one? You know why you had a miracle? Anybody? No volunteers on that? You got a miracle because you needed one. You can't have a miracle or a move of God unless you're in need. That kind of might help you get a grip on when things are not going well and you're facing things and it brings you down emotionally and spiritually and you find yourself in this valley where it seems overwhelming. I mentioned it to my wife just the other day uh, that there was such a heavy spirit. We were driving down the street. Uh, in in another city, but we were driving down the street. There weren't many people out, but you could just feel the heaviness in in the atmosphere. It wasn't raining, but you could feel the heaviness, and that's what the world is, is feeling, and a lot of it is in the mind. There was a man named uh, Tim LaHaye that wrote a book, Battle of the Mind, or Battle for the Mind. Uh, very good book. To get and read because the enemy would like to confuse us and would like to uh, throw up blinders for us to where we don't see the things that we should uh, and we don't respond the way that we should he's working on our minds but god gives us peace of mind if you remember um the demoniac that jesus healed he was in the tombs uh Day and night he would howl, he would he would cry out, and they would bind him with chains, and he would break those chains. And uh, when Jesus met him, he came and threw he came to Jesus and threw himself at his feet, and said, "If you come to torment me before my time." But Jesus didn't come to torment. He came and set him free, and that scared. The her, the herders the the swine herders that were around it scared them, and um, he cast the he cast the demons out of that man and the the swine ran into the into the sea and choked, and they ran into town and they they told people, you got to see what's out here, that demoniac isn't screaming anymore. He's not bound anymore. And our, our herds ran down a steep grade and were, were drowned. And they came out and they were scared because they saw the demoniac clothed and in his right mind. That scares the devil. He wants to distort truth. He wants to, he wants to put images of failure and defeat in our mind. And he wants to bring us down and he'll use the turmoil that's in our country and in our world, really, he'll use that to discourage us. And if he can't discourage us, he'll use it to get us off track, to get us looking at the wrong thing. Now, if you've got a problem, check me on this. Uh, If you disagree, let me know. If you've got a problem, something major, and it's on your mind, and you're not sure how you're going to Take care of it. Let's say, for instance, uh, your refrigerator quit. And you got to buy a new one. Anybody buy a new refrigerator lately? They're expensive. Um, But you're not sure how you're going to do it. And and while you're trying to figure out how you're going to do it, you don't have a place to keep your food cold. And your other refrigerator had a lot of food in it. So you got to find something to do with it and you kind of get consumed in this and you think about it and you think about it. And even after you've made one step toward a solution, you're still thinking about it and you will eventually bring yourself down just by thinking about it. And when you get the answer worked out, you may not have the refrigerator yet, but you get to the place to where you know this is working out, this is going to be okay, you will look for other things to be depressed about and to worry about. It's addictive. It's like a drug. Worry and fret is like a drug. And you'll get yourself in a, in a mental state to where that's all you do. It's the only thing you do is just think about the things that aren't right instead of being thankful and praising God for the things that are right and the things that weren't right, but he's making right. Anybody disagree with that? No. It's life. It's really the way it is. We're human. I've been born again of the Spirit of God, but the old man is still here and very susceptible to things that are going on around me and to me I'm very susceptible to it yet so these things can affect us and that's what's important about what we're reading tonight to access the access to god uh, which is possible to a believer is that of close and abiding fellowship that's not that it's not to say that god knows me and and he, he knows everything about me which he does He does know everything about me. He knows well about me, and and I'm sure I don't know very much really about him. I learn more all the time. But uh, it's not just a matter of having knowledge of each other, it's about having a close, abiding fellowship to where I enjoy being in his presence, and he enjoys being in my presence. And he does enjoy that when he sees me uh, hanging on to or reaching out to the things that we know are true. When we go after truth instead of convenience, when we go after truth instead of um, treats, we need to, I can't think of a better word for it, but we like to treat our flesh well. We like to treat ourselves. We want to be worry-free and very comfortable and resting, and have somebody peeling grapes and feeding them to us and fanning us with palm branches. It's because we're human, um, but we're talking about a close abiding fellowship with God. We're not, I'm not, I don't feel guilty with God. That's a good feeling when you don't feel guilty. The sense of the divine reality and nearness uh, was a constant experience in Eden before the fall. But sin altered all that. Uh, It cut us off from God. Our Lord came to bring us back to God. The possibility of human fellowship with God is shown uh, in earthly life of Christ. To him, the spirit world, the spiritual world, was always near. Always near, uh, by God's presence and relationship, uh, he he was in that close abiding uh, fellowship with Him, and by the the plain statements in His Word, uh, we see that He had an abiding fellowship with God. In this fellowship, uh, is is opened. This fellowship has opened uh, the Christians to divine understanding. Think of it this way. Understanding the attributes of the Holy Spirit. That's one thing that we get through the fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. He opens our understanding and he opens our hearts up to the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And they are love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things kind of feel good when when you say them, when you read them. All of those things really do kind of feel good. but And we feel that a lot during the Christmas season. A lot of people are just being kind. But yet a whole lot of people, as a matter of fact, the numbers go up, a whole lot of people become depressed and discontent during the Christmas season. And the reason for that is when they look at love and joy and peace, they find a deficit in themselves. So then they're looking at love like something that they would like to have, but they don't. They're looking at joy like something that they think they may have had one time, but they don't have now. They look at peace as something they don't even know about. Long-suffering. Well, you know, (laughs) I'd like to have long-suffering, but I can't wait for it. Uh, Kindness and goodness. And faithfulness and gentleness and self-control you can find these all in Galatians 5:23. Uh, these things are beautiful things to have and and they paint a, a beautiful picture in our mind, but we fall short on that unless we have help to do it. How to walk number two, how to walk in those attributes uh, you pursue to to walk in those you pursue righteousness and godliness and faith, and love, and patience, and gentleness. That's in 1 Timothy 6 and 11. For the sake of love, use understanding and discretion in everything, for we will give account for every word. That's in Matthew 12 and 36. We give account for every word, but the one word that is so important in all this and and this is for people who are really not struggling to have a relationship with God, uh, that it seems like everything's good. Discretion is so important. What is discretion? It's wisdom as to what to do with information that you have. All information that you receive, whether from other people or from God himself, is not all to be shared. It's not all to be spread around and given to other people or just thrown out there so that you can discuss the situation. Discretion is so vital. When God can trust you with the things that he tells you to give you guidance in things that you're facing and, and uh, things that you don't understand. If he gives you something on that, pray about it, ponder it, keep it to yourself unless it's done in love and then follow the right process. Go to a, a trusted leader that God has given you and present it to them and let them help you find the answer to whatever may be troubling you or bothering you the main reason I'm bringing up discre- discretion right now is because that's a word that God just just plastered me with uh, Sunday it hit me hard discretion And I knew that that was one thing that needed to come out. We need to use understanding and discretion in everything. For we will give account for every word. And because, actually, we'll give account even sooner if we're Christian because Jesus will call you on it if you haven't used discretion in in what you've done uh, or what you've said Uh, The third thing is progressive. You can think about is progressive holiness. Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God. That's for you. And you can have it. We can have it. It's we should have it, and we should be in it. It's not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. This is Romans 14, 17 through 19 verse 19, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That is so vital. Such a vital way to fill to, to fill in the gaps. Let us pursue the things which make for peace, now, that's not telling everything I know, but that's for keeping it in my mind that everything that I do, I must do in love. Not to try to make things even out for me. We're poor judges about what even is. It's, it's not pursuit of my, of my need. It's love for the other person. For the, for the other, uh, the one that you don't feel equal to. Uh, peace, which uh, pursue after them that make for peace and things which edify another. Not make myself look bad so that they can look good and not make them look bad so that you can look good. Something that will build them up to edify somebody is to give them encouragement is to bring them along out of the hole that they've found themselves in emotionally it's like somebody stuck in a ditch have you ever known anybody that got down in a ditch and couldn't get out it's it unfortunately it's kind of funny to watch but slipping and and climbing and slipping and climbing a hand makes a big difference and while you're trying to pull them up and they're still slipping that's when you edify them you're making it you're making progress keep it up encouraging them bringing them along i'm not here to make fun of you i'm gonna help you get cleaned up when you get out Um, that's edification and we need to edify one another in everything that we do and a look for peace and harmony in all of it. And then you don't feel like doing anything out of not out of love. You feel like loving because an interesting thing about love is that the only way to get love is to give it. Except from God, we get his love. But when you do give or express love to another, it comes back. It comes back to you. You can't really give it away when you give love away you get love so you end up with more than you had. if there even is a balance on that uh the supreme blessedness this what i've been talking to you about supreme blessedness is to be enjoyed in christ in christ we have the right to approach god without christ we don't have the we don't have a chance approaching god he is so holy that we can't even imagine it he's so holy that angels surround him continually and bless him and they feel privileged to do that i feel privileged to be able to come before him in christ In Christ, we have the personal purity needed for divine communication. I'm not pure. And as long as I'm in this flesh, I really am not going to be pure. But I will be made pure in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye. That's Jesus' job. And he said that he would do that. That's his promise that he will present me to himself holy and clean. I've got his promise on that. So that's, it's needed for divine communication if I'm going to go before God and make a request. In Christ, we have the spirit that ever raises to the Father. The Holy Spirit, it continually raises, rises to the Father. So uh, in, in Christ, we have that. If we're not in Christ, we don't have these things. In Christ, we have the welcome with God that he has for us. We have the welcome. He always has his arms open for those who come to him through Christ, through the gift of his only begotten son. He, we always have that welcome from him. So, all of that. That's there's a period there. Uh, after all of that, my hope is that somehow maybe somebody who has questioned circumstances, things that are going on, maybe been battling with depression, maybe um, have something financial that they can't deal with. Maybe they're facing a problem at work. Uh, Maybe they're lonely. Whatever the case may be, I know for sure that what we have looked at tonight was necessary for somebody. I'm, I'm positive about that because God never gathered, to the best of my knowledge, never gathered a group of people together to tell them something that they didn't need. He just never did that. He always had something good to say. And unfortunately tonight, I'm the only way he has here tonight to say it. But I pray that somehow he spoke to the heart that needed to hear it. So, any questions? Comments? I'm open for it. Thank you, thank you. That's better than a tomato. I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. True. True. I believe that. The gifts and and the. Tools and the weapons that we read about in the Word of God are literal. They are actually available to us, but they won't—they won't won't work for us unless we use them. You, You can't put them on the shelf and leave them there and expect them to do the job. Have to pick them up. Anybody else? Yes, Uh, I agree that I agree with that. That's kind of like with every situation. When things are really going wrong, you can be upset about it, and they're still going to go wrong. Or you can praise God in it, and they can only get better. So you really (laughs) you just waste time worrying about things. They're still going to go the way they're going, unless God decides to to change it, and that's only going to happen if you're thanking Him for that or something else. Very good. Well, if nobody else has anything they want to say, let's let's pray for just a minute here. Father, we thank You for this opportunity that we've had to come together again in Your name to lift You up and to learn about finding our our peace and our joy in you, in the kingdom of God. And the fact that you've given us an opportunity to have the kingdom of God in the world that we live only amplifies the fact that the reward that you have laid up for us in heaven, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and hasn't even entered into the heart of man so thankful that you have such good things in store for me and so thankful that you've given us the opportunity to have a blessed life in addition to that. You said that you came, the Bible says that you came that we might have life and that more abundantly. In heaven, it's as abundant as it can get. On earth, there's a lot of abundance that we can use and so it had to apply to earth and I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you send each one of us away this evening with you on our hearts and our minds and seeking your peace in a troubled time that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.